Have you ever been tempted? Like really bad tempted. Everyone is tempted at some point in some time in their life. Um, I enjoy sports, so I would like to give you this sports illustration of how uh, a certain young man was tempted. There was a game that's uh, been a rivalry in football for in the college world for several decades, Alabama versus Auburn. There was a legendary coach. His name was Bear Bryant. He was a coach for Alabama. And during the game, Alabama was ahead, and it was coming down to the last three minutes of the game. And so he puts his second-string quarterback in, and he tells the young man, we're ahead, all you have to do is run the ball. Just run the ball. Every time, do not pass. No matter what is done, do not pass. Just run the clock out, run the ball, that's it. So he puts the second-string quarterback in. Um, he was not very fast. He was known to not be very fast, but he had a good arm. But he still said, do not pass. Whatever you do, just run the ball. Run the t- clock out. So he puts the young man in, and they go first down. He does exactly as the coach says. Second down, he does exactly as the coach says. Third down, they run the ball. Does exactly as the coach says. Now they get to the fourth down. Instead of running out the clock, the young man pulls back, and as he steps back, he sees a receiver wide open running down the field. And wanting to be the hero of the game, he goes ahead and rears back and he throws the ball towards the end zone, towards his wide open receiver. The only thing is, is that the receiver wasn't open. Auburn ends up intercepting the ball. The interception, he catches it and he begins to run it back for a touchdown. The quarterback, in all of his fear, begins to run and chases him down. It ends up catching this guy tackling him and it was over and at the end of the game in the interview here's what um, coach Dye of Auburn said to Bear Bryant he says how could that boy run down my boy who was so much faster simple answered coach Bear Bryant your boy was running to score a touchdown my boy was running to keep me from killing him (laughs) we are all tempted at some point aren't we Temptation is nothing new to this world. It's what we all have to face, we all have to endure. And so here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be talking about Matthew chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be walking through this idea of temptation. We're in a series called Killing Sin. And we started off in in the very beginning of Matthew 18 where Jesus says this is the way it's going to be. Leadership is going to look very different. Remember, the disciples were arguing back and forth that who was going to be the greatest, and pride had entered in once again into the disciples' conversation. And Jesus said, guys, you need to understand something. If you're going to be in my kingdom, if you're going to be living out my kingdom values and principles, it's going to look very different than the world. You're not going to live the way that you've been living. You're going to have to live differently. And it starts by being humble, getting rid of arrogance, getting rid of pride, and and coming in humbly And then you're going to have to serve, and you're going to have to make sure that in the way in which you serve others, that you are enhancing and improving the spiritual life of other people instead of hurting. And he gives a strong warning, if you remember. He gives a strong warning that says, okay, guys, if you hurt the faith of these little ones, he says, guys, it would be better off that you would be dead. So Jesus was very strong on on how we were supposed to live. And so now he comes in, and now in verse 7, he's going to make another strong statement. And he's going to make a strong statement regarding temptation. And I think it's worthy of us to have this conversation because I know many of us 
Maybe in your life and as you became a Christian and as you begin to grow, there's this point where you give your life to Christ and you think, okay, great, it's going to get better from here on out. Jesus is, is here and we begin to hear the stories of how great God is and, and we're saying, okay, I want God to work in my life and, and we begin to live that way and then all of a sudden Satan comes and he tries to derail our faith. And there's these temptations. And maybe you've prayed this. You pray and you ask God, okay, God, would you just get rid of this temptation? I'm tired of being tempted. And then there's points in our faith in our journey where we begin to just look across and say, God, if this is how it's going to be, and I'm always going to be tempted, and maybe we get so burnt out and frustrated by always falling to temptation that we just almost give up the faith, and we just end up saying, God, forget it. I'm not going to try And we go passive in our faith, and we just kind of say, I'm not going to fight the fight because it seems like when I start going in and doing something for God, all of a sudden the attacks get so so intense that I I just don't want to go further anymore. And then there's points where we just say, okay, God, fine. If this is how it's going to be, and we get okay with our sin because we're tempted, we know we're going to be tempted, and we know we should just not, we should resist, but yet it's just too difficult. And so we go ahead and we fall again and again. And we get into a pattern of sin. And I want to talk about temptation today in a way in which hopefully gives you the encouragement to understand that you don't have to stay where you're at. That today, as we begin to look at temptation this week and as we look at it next week, that God has a bigger plan and that you don't have to stay where you're at. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word? Matthew chapter 18 Matthew chapter 18, and I'm going to ask that you go all the way down to verse 7 is where we finished off last week. And let's begin reading here. The scripture says, and this is Jesus talking. He says, Woe to the world for temptation to sin. For it is necessary that temptations come. But woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. We're going to stop there. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your love and your goodness, your grace, your mercy. As we look into this passage, God, I'm asking that you would show up in a mighty way. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have freedom in this place. God, we need to hear from you. And I pray today as we get to celebrate and we look back to to the past and we look back to those who gave their lives for freedom, God, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to be able to gather in your name. And now as we look into your word, I pray that your spirit would open our ears, open our minds. God, help us to hear exactly what we need to hear. And I pray that we walk out of here at different people because we've heard from you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It might come as a shock to you that we're only doing one verse. It's okay. There's plenty here in this one verse. This one verse is going to give us several key thoughts. Matter of fact, there's three different sections of this verse. There's three different thoughts that we can have about temptation that I want us to look at and want us to play out here today. Verse 7 starts off and it says, Woe to the world for temptation to sin. The idea of woe is a judgment statement. It's It's a curse statement. That there's going to be a judgment on those in which by which temptation comes. Now, Jesus is already cursed. If you remember the last week, Jesus has already cursed anyone who would cause one of the little ones to sin. If you would actually tempt the little ones, if you would 
maybe by your own direct temptation entice others to sin or maybe by your indirect by being passive and not encouraging and not standing up for somebody but maybe just being passive you end up indirectly causing someone to sin. Jesus has already given a strong curse. Cursed is the one. You should just go out and kill yourself if you're going to hurt somebody else's faith. And now Jesus steps in and he says, okay, here's a big statement. I am now placing judgment on this world. Because in this world, there's going to be temptation to sin. So here's what we need to see, first of all. The very first point is this. Temptation is a part of this world. That sounds simple. It sounds easy. It sounds, well, of course, Heath. I've had people ask me to pray for them. We pray and we talk and we've interacted. And here's, here's what I've had asked over and over again. Pastor, can you ask that I would no longer be tempted by this? Can you ask that I would be no longer tempted? And, and we talk about it, and I think that's a great conversation. We should ask for temptation to be removed. We should ask that no longer be tempted. At the same time, we need to understand very clearly that as long as we're in this world, what's going to happen? There will be temptation. Why? Because the God of this world is going to constantly tempt you. You see, the God of this world, is his main purpose is to remove your focus by either something he's designed or he puts into the minds of other people. But his goal is to remove your worship from God himself and remove your focus and your attention and to give it to anything else. It doesn't matter what the trinket is or what the thing is. The God of this world has designed it so that he's always going to be tempting you with something in order to get your attention off of God Almighty. So as long as you're in this world, what's going to happen? You will be tempted. Mark it down. Make sure we get a clear understanding because you're not going to get to a point where it's just going to stop. I'll be, I'll, I, remember, I remember as a young man thinking, okay, I can't wait till I get married because when I get married, I'm no longer going to be tempted by girls. Now, isn't that a funny statement? I mean, you don't, you don't really, I mean, I honestly believe that. I thought that was going to be great. When I get married and I'm no longer, that's not, but guess what? It's still there. You never get to a point. Okay, by the time I get to 30, then everything's going to be good, and I'm no longer going to be tempted. By the time I get to 50, by the time I get to 60, by the time I'm 70 years old, I will no longer be tempted by anything. Isn't that a, it's funny, though, how we think, isn't it? We're hoping that we're going to get to this point where temptations is no longer going to happen for us. But the reality is this, as long as we are alive, we have a real enemy. And it is his goal and it is his desire to get you off track. To take your focus away from God and to get your focus on something else. That's his design, that's his goal. It's a natural part of this world. There was a cartoon in the the New York uh, magazine it actually had, uh, it was a farm picture scene, and there were pigs at the feeding trough. And as they're at the feeding trough, the farmer comes out, and he begins to feed them. And one pig looks to the other and says, have you ever wondered why he's being so good to us? 
I love the illustration because it's exactly how we are with sin and temptation. We're tempted because that's what we desire. We're tempted because that's what we want. We're tempted, and as long as we're in this world, we're going to be tempted. And the question becomes, why are we being tempted? We're tempted because it's in our heart. That's what we want. And Satan is going to present in any form or any fashion something that looks better than God, something that looks better than his word, and he's going to constantly be putting it in front of us. And as long as he puts it in front of us, we're going to be tempted. Because the greatest thing that your soul desires is what? God. But we are so sidetracked because we think something else will satisfy and so temptation. And he says, woe to this world. This world is going to be judged. This world is going to be judged because it's going to, its main purpose is going to figure out how to trick you. You look at all the advertisements. You look at all the different things in this world. You're constantly bombarded with ways in which to say, you don't need this. You don't need that. You need this. You don't need God. You need this. They're going to say, hey, church isn't important. You don't, you don't need church because you can actually see it on TV now. You don't need to really get together with other believers. There's going to be so many temptations to get you sidetracked, to get you away from God himself. And this world, by design, because it's part of the God of this world, Satan, his philosophy and his intent is to truly move you away. And God's, Jesus says, hey, there's going to be a curse. There's a judgment, and I'm going to judge this world. And in the, in the future, there will be a judgment but until that judgment comes, temptation is going to be there. Look at what it says. He doesn't, he doesn't condemn temptation. He doesn't say, I'm going to get rid of temptation. He says, it's right there. He says, for temptation, it's assumed. It's expected. He doesn't say, I'm getting rid of temptation. This would be a prime time for Jesus to say, hey, I'm going to get rid of all temptation. And if you follow me as my disciples, hey, guys, in just a few months, I'm out of here. And when I'm out of here, I'm, I, you're never going to be tempted again. Wouldn't it have been nice? I would have loved for Jesus to have said that right here. Or even in a few verses later, I would have loved for Jesus to step up at any point and say, hey, it's going to be okay because I'm going to get rid of all temptation. But he doesn't. He says, it's expected. It's going to happen. I'm going to judge the world for causing you to uh, bring a temptation in front of you, but it's still going to be there. So have you got the point yet? Temptation. As long as you're alive, you should expect it. It's going to be here. Now look at the next part of this verse. It says in verse 7, he says, For it is necessary that temptation comes. Necessary. What, what, what's necessary about temptation? Temptation, here's what it is. It's, it's necessary because it keeps a tension on our hearts and on our minds. It keeps this tension between what our hearts desire that we think everything else is going to fulfill, and it keeps this tension on do we really believe that God can satisfy our heart's deepest longing? Is God big enough? It keeps this tension on us. Now let's talk about temptation for just a second. Are we all tempted by the same things? The answer is no. 
You, you, put, you put alcohol in front of somebody, and all of a sudden, I mean, for them, that is their, maybe their biggest temptation. But maybe we put a, a, a glass right here of alcohol or a Jack Daniels, whatever, whatever that drink is, and all of a sudden, for some, it's a huge temptation. For others, you just look at it, eh, it's no big deal. You, you, it doesn't even phase you. You don't even look at it. It doesn't even cause any kind of temptation. So we're not tempted by everything, but we are tempted by what our hearts crave. And here's what Jesus says. It's necessary. It's necessary. Why in the world would temptation be necessary? This is a good question. Because if I had it my way, as soon as I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I would never be tempted again. Wouldn't that be nice? If I had it my way, man, life would become really easy. As soon as you follow it, that's an easy message to preach to everybody. Hey, you want your life to be better? You never want to be tempted? You want to have all good things in your life? Trust Jesus. It's going to be great. Wouldn't that be fun to teach? But that's not reality, is it? Jesus said what? It's necessary. It's necessary for temptation. Why? Because temptation provides the necessary tension for your faith to grow. Let me explain it this way. God desires my love. God desires my attention. But he desires it from a heart that freely chooses to love him. And if God is going to give me the choice to freely love, in order for it to be an honest, true choice to love, there has to be an honest, true choice to hate. Does that make sense? It's not a choice if there's not a choice to do the opposite. It's not a choice. Here's why it's necessary for temptation to come. You and I, we would rather know temptation. We would rather to be, make it just an easy life. But what happens is this. It's necessary because when I'm being tempted, it creates this tension. Do I want this thing that cannot satisfy Do I want to try to fulfill my appetites, my fleshly desires, whatever they are, by this thing? Or do I believe that I can actually step across and say, God, I don't need that, but what I need is you. And if I didn't have the tension, then it doesn't require any faith. Does that make sense? It doesn't require faith. If it's all easy, it doesn't require faith to say, hey, I trust God, I love God. As long as your life is easy, it doesn't require, but it's necessary to actually prove to you which is more important. Which is more important, this trinket, this thing, this thing that you're being tempted by, is this more important to you, or is it God, the God of the universe? See, here's where we live. We want it to be perfect. We want it to be good. We want no temptation. We want an easy life. And we want it without any tension. We want it without any problems. We want want it without any any distractions. But the way God has designed this, and the way Jesus is saying, hey guys, the world's going to tempt you. And they're going to do everything to pull your attention away from me. And as they pull your attention, and as they try, you're going to be tempted because you're going to see all these other things. And it's going to test you. And you're going to begin to find out what's more important. See, one of the hardest things about temptation is this. 
while I might not be tempted by what you're tempted, my temptations are just as real and just as hard. And there will be people who say, well, Heath, you just don't understand my temptation. You don't understand what it means to be an addict. You don't understand what it means to be this or this. And they just go through. And here's what I know. Here's what I would know about sin. And it is just as powerful over here for anybody because what we have to deal with is this. We have to struggle through this idea. Is, is this more important? And what's, what's frustrating is once you get that trinket, once you get that thing, once you get that high, once you get whatever it is that you've been looking for, and you get it, you get that house, you get that money, you get that promotion, you get that spouse, you get those kids, you get whatever you've been wanting and whatever you've been going after. Here's the problem. You ready? Here's the tension. It doesn't ultimately satisfy. It doesn't satisfy. Why? Because the only thing that can satisfy is what? God himself. And the reason temptation is necessary, the reason that we need it in our life, is because it proves to us and it demonstrates that this is not worth it. This trinket that you're going after is not worth it. And the only thing that's worth it is... Do you see it? Now, let me make sure we're clear. Being tempted is not a sin. Why would I say that? Do you remember that there was a point in time when Jesus, after he's baptized, right after he's baptized, he goes into the wilderness, he fasts and he prays. And there's 40 days of fasting and praying. And then after that, Satan comes to him. Do you remember this? And Satan comes to him. And there's three main temptations that Satan offers to Jesus. Were they real temptations? Absolutely. Were they temptations in which maybe maybe it would impact somebody, but maybe it doesn't impact everybody. But they're still temptations. They're temptations that were strong. And all all I think all three all three of these areas, every temptation in the world, all fits under these three, in my personal opinion. But that's another message, another series. And Jesus is tempted. The Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted like we are, yet without what? Yet without sin. So Jesus is tempted. So temptation is not the sin. Temptation is not the sin. Giving in to the temptation is the sin. Because here's what happens. Satan can't force you to do it. Have you ever heard of somebody say, well, Satan made me do that? Maybe your kids said that to you when you were getting on to them. Well, Satan, the devil made me do it. The devil can't make you do anything. He can present options. That's the temptation. You always choose. You choose either to give in or you choose God. There was a little boy who, um, he was... Um, every day after school, he would stop by the baseball field and play for a while. And his mom said one day, she said, son, you need to get home and do your homework first. And then you can go play baseball. So one day as he was walking home, uh, right as he was he's getting finished with school and he's walking home, he pulls out of his backpack his baseball glove and his baseball. And his friend asked him, I thought your mom said go home. She did, but I just brought the glove and the ball just in case I was tempted to play baseball. Sometimes we prepare for temptation, don't we? We almost expect it. We want it. We know we're going to be tempted. And we prepare for it, and we want it, and we want to give in. That's why it's a temptation, because we desire it so much. 
And Jesus says, temptation is going to come in this world. I've cursed it. I've already cursed this world, and I'm going to bring judgment on this world for trying to tempt you and trying to, to bring you away from me. He says, but temptation is necessary. You need it. You want your faith to be strong? It's in the midst of this temptation. Watch, ready? It's in the midst of the temptation that you begin to understand that you wait. Greater is he that's within me than the he that's in the world. In, in the middle of the temptation, you begin to claim, oh, wait, wait, wait. God said he, he will never give me more than I can handle. Wait, on top of that, God said, if I'm in temptation, he'll make a way. Where's that way to get out? And you begin to claim the promises. You begin to say, okay, God, if, if there's a way out, show me the way out. And in the midst of this, you begin to understand that your God is bigger. And you're saying, God, I really want this. But I know it's a false idol. Because only you satisfy. And you begin to learn. And what you begin to do is you begin to quote scripture. And as you do, your faith begins to grow. Because now you're beginning to run away. You're now beginning to get away from temptation. And the beauty is this. You ready? It's necessary for your faith because Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to come. And we live in this day and age where the Holy Spirit's here who empowers us with resurrection power. We cannot conquer temptation on our own power. But we've been given the helper who indwells and lives within us to gives us the strength and the power to resist, to flee, to run, away from temptation. And all we have to do is understand it's necessary for my faith to grow, and our faith grows every time we say no to temptation. Your faith gets weaker every time you say yes to the temptation. You get stuck in your sin, you get stuck on stuck in your cycle, and you wonder why your faith is so weak. You wonder why God is not answering your prayers. It's because you're stuck over here and your faith is weak because you're not saying no. You're choosing this more than you're choosing God. Temptation's necessary for your faith to grow. Let me show you this last one. This last part is, I think, special because here's what he does for us. And he says, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. He now gives a curse one more time to the one by whom the temptation comes. He says, here's what's important. Temptation, yes, it's part of this world. And yes, temptation's necessary for your faith to grow. And then one last statement, he makes sure we're clear. He says, I'm going to, I'm going to bring judgment on the one in which, who's constantly encouraging and constantly pushing someone to, to sin and constantly encouraging people to fail and who's bringing the temptation. But he wants to make sure temptation does not remove the individual responsibility. Did you see this? I'm bringing judgment on the individual. Yes, I'm bringing judgment on the world, but I'm also going to bring judgment on the individual. Why is this important? Because it's exactly what I just got through talking about on this. Temptation, although you're tempted, you are never able to blame your DNA. You're never able to blame your background, you're never able to blame your parents, you're never able to blame anything else except that you chose it. Did you catch that? This is so radical, this is so different. Now you're, you're, you're going, well, Heath, wait a minute, my background, my family background, that pushes me towards some temptations, and you're right. 
It will. Your habits that you've been involved in, it's going to push you towards temptations. And this world is designed to be pulling you away. And it's going to cause you to have some serious, hard temptations. But at the end of the day, the individual must stand before God. And there will be a judgment with what you do with the temptation. Do you cause others to sin? Are you failing? And this series is about us. Us as a Christian group. Us as individuals who actually understand that this is, we are not designed to continue to live in sin. This is kingdom living. The kingdom authority that Jesus is giving to his disciples saying, guys, I want you to live a different way. I want you to be something more. Not more because of who you are, but more because of who I am and what I'm doing for you. You don't have to live this way anymore. What would it look like? What would it look like in your personal life if you realized, yes, temptation is just going to be part of it? What would it look like if you began to realize that it was necessary for your faith to grow? Instead of giving in to the temptation, maybe this is the opportunity that God is calling you to walk in a greater faith. What would it look like for your marriage? What would it look like for your life right now? What would it look like for your grandkids? What would it look like for your kids? What would it look like if we began to put aside our besetting sins and we began to live in the freedom that Jesus is calling us to live in? Here's what it would do for us. It would set us free. We would become free people. We celebrate freedom because we get to choose right now in America. And when you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, while temptation may be strong, you have the ability to freely choose to walk away. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins, and he gives you resurrection power. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, can I just encourage you? This is not a self-help message, because honestly, you're going to be tempted, and there's going to be things that you can choose. And you can go out of here, and you can choose a lot of good things. But the one thing that you can't do is you cannot please God on your own by being better, by being good. The only thing that will please God is when you surrender and say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm trusting Jesus who died on the cross and you give your life to him. That would be the greatest gift that you would receive Jesus's free gift to you today. If we have received it, let's walk in this freedom In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your love, your goodness. And God, I'm asking, as I look into this this passage, God, I'm asking for help. Every one of us feel the tensions. Every one of us feel this this pressure to, to give in. And temptation comes, and God, sometimes when it comes, it is incredibly heavy. And it's hard to resist. Our desires well up within us, and God, it, it, it seems so much easier just to give in. And I pray, I pray for each one of us that when temptation comes our way, that God, it would be truly a moment in which you're glorified because we resist and we turn to you. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray.